Welcome back to Four and Toe Podcast, where moms can find encouragement on their journeys through homeschooling. I'm your host, Elizabeth, and this is episode 13. Today, we're going to be talking about working moms, specifically me as a working mom and a homeschool mom. I thought I'd give you a little bit of insight on what it is to work and homeschool. This is just my experience and my life story. For everybody else, it will look a little bit different, but maybe you'll be able to identify with a few of the things that I share with you guys today. I realize it has been quite a while since I put it on an episode, and what's funny is I had planned on doing this episode way back in September, early October, but because of my jobs, (laughs) things just got put to the wayside and my podcast was one of the last things to be able to be picked up and worked on because of my other jobs. And I felt like this was a really good example of how I do both work and homeschool. And I'm going to explain myself so you can understand how I do my life. Earlier this summer, I read a book called Yes, Please by Amy Poehler. And in it, she was explaining how she does it, it being life, working, being a mom, going at that point in the book, she was going through a divorce. And so she was explaining how oftentimes when people talk about life things like those, they talk about the balancing act. She made the point that you really can't do all those things. There isn't a way to balance it all. There just isn't. And you really truly need a team of people around you to help you accomplish your dreams and goals. No one is really truly a super mom. We just have a truly super group of people around us that help us and believe in us and will work with us. Working moms. I actually know quite a few moms who homeschool and work. It is possible. For some families, having two incomes really is a necessity. And if that is you, just know that there are options out there for you to make money and to homeschool your kids at the same time. For example, several of my friends teach English as a second language online. Some of my friends work as secretaries for various businesses. Some of my friends do marketing from home. For my family, my husband does work really hard and we could potentially live on his salary alone. But I have found that it really is a nice cushion to have my income as well. And we have been using it as debt reduction, which has been super, super helpful. The other reason that I work outside the home is because I think it's important for moms, whether you're a homeschooler mom or not, just moms in general, I think it's important for us not to lose our dreams. Yes, things will change. And yes, Uh, Dreams are often altered, but I really think it's part of self-care to not forget about yourself. And a couple of years ago, I really kind of pushed into that and started asking myself, what is it that I want out of this life? How can I not forget myself? What is it that I like to do with my time? Are there hobbies that I like to do? Are there things that I enjoy doing that could potentially be money-making opportunities? I really just sat down and thought through it a lot. Nine years ago, I was working for a church as a worship leader, and I was approached by several of the kids from the youth group asking if I would give them music lessons. And that really turned into my main source of income. I love teaching. I love music. And I love teaching music. It's just the perfect, the perfect thing. So for me, this was something that I really loved doing. 
that is teaching music. And I was able to capitalize on it and make some extra cash on the side doing this. So there have been uh, ebbs and flows in my clientele in the nine years. And I've been, I've taught in two different states because we did move from Alaska down to Pennsylvania. And when I moved here to Pennsylvania, it took time to build up my clientele. And then at one point, a couple of years ago, one of the big factories that's in town that employs a good chunk of the city, uh, it shut down. And as a result, I lost, I went from 19 students down to one in the course of nine months. I, that was part of why I lost all those students. The other reason is because I find that a lot of my students reach high school and they want to try a new instrument or they get involved in sports or various other activities. And so piano that they've taken for years falls by the wayside. So that's what it all kind of, several things like that happened all at the same time. And so I um, found myself with only one student left and I saw an ad for a music store in town that was looking for new music instructors. So I sent in my resume and went to an interview and got the job. I've been working there now for 18 months and I can tell you it is just so awesome. I love teaching there. I love my boss and my coworkers are amazing. We have a really great time. I've been there now for 18 months. I work two days a week there, about um, approximately 10 hours a week at the store. I have a few other students that did come back uh, after a few months leave to take lessons again. I give another five hours of lessons in homes. There's roughly 15 hours a week that I'm working as a piano teacher. For the most part, I find it very relaxing and very invigorating. It's a moment for me to just do what I what I feel that I do best, which is teach music. I really, I'm in my element. I absolutely love it. And it really helps me have an out and have an outlet um, that is uh, an expression of me and who I am. I don't have to worry about my kids because my mom watches the kids while I'm at work and my husband who picks them up after he's done with work so that I can stay even later giving late evening lessons. The other things that I do for work that occasionally pay a little bit, I call, I call them paid hobbies. One of them is I, uh, I work with Usborne Books and More and I'm a consultant with them. I've been with the company for three years various times I have worked that business more than I've worked other things. And so I've seen better results in the past with that business. But since starting this podcast, I haven't been focusing much on selling books at all, more just wanting to build my podcast. So it's been a priority thing more than anything. I still want to keep up with that business. I still pay my monthly dues to keep my website up so that I can use the products for my homeschool. For now, I just have the website open and occasionally people ask to buy books and I send them to the site. So podcasting is the other hobby that I do. Now, I'm on a couple of podcasts. This is not the only one that I'm on. My husband also has Fade to Gray podcast, which I am a co-host of. I call it my husband's podcast because he originally started it with several friends and they brought me on later. But I also call it my husband's podcast to differentiate it from this podcast, which is mine. But really and truly, it's our podcast. And I have been really excited and, and had a great time being part of that podcast. This podcast is about taking polarizing topics and discussing both sides and bringing understanding between two polarizing sides. We've faded to gray on silly things like the moon landing, movies, and we've also faded to gray on more serious topics like religion and most recently relationships. 
Now, I will recommend the show with a caveat, and that is that this show is for adult listeners. We do not hold back on our language or our content. There is a lot of swearing, and the content is very often geared to adults. So if you would like to take a listen, just put in your earbuds and listen when your kids are not around. I would I recommend it as long as the kids are not listening. So that's a list of all of my jobs and my hobbies that turn into jobs occasionally. And so what this looks like when I put it into my homeschooling is... I hold it all very loosely. I know that to build a business or to build a podcast or to build a clientele as a music teacher, all of it takes consistency. And I realize that I'm not with all of these jobs and all of these hobbies and homeschooling on top of it. I've found that I really need to set my priorities. Every week I kind of do like a priority moment Usually on Sundays, I sit down and I check my lesson plans and see what we accomplished the week before. Did we get everything done? What needs to be done this week to be able to accomplish everything? I look at my calendar and see what doctor's appointments, what and and what my job schedule looks like for the week, uh, because occasionally my various students will drop will drop out or be on vacation or will know ahead of time that they're not coming, and so I can plan our school day around those things. I generally get a few hours a day on Wednesday morning to give the kids some sort of instruction. But other than that, I try and get the majority of our schoolwork done on Mondays and Tuesdays. And I treat Wednesdays and Thursdays as homework days where I give them their extra math, extra reading, stuff that my mom can just help them accomplish. She can listen to them read a book. She can check their math problems as they've worked through them. Or she can read sections of a textbook if we're going through our science. She can read some of our geography or history books to them as well. So my mom is a really great teammate to have. But sometimes I can't balance both. And sometimes I just have to make my priorities my priorities. And for me, homeschooling is my priority. My hobbies tend to take the hit first. For example, when I started this podcast, I dropped all of my Osborne books and more and just haven't worked on it very consistently at all. That's the biggest word that I've heard in this business and that I've seen when I've seen results is when I'm being consistent with selling my books. And this year has not been that year. I think it's fine (laughs) because that's where my priorities are at. Doesn't mean that I'm going to stop selling us more books and more. No, I'm not going to stop because I do use their books a lot with my homeschool and I plan on still using them in the future. But it does mean that there are times when I just don't focus on selling the books. And that same goes with the podcast. With my husband's podcast, because we have such a big team, things don't, it doesn't always look like things are falling by the wayside. Because if I drop something and am unable to do something like social media, we have other people on the team who can pick it up and help when we don't get things done. But for something like my podcast, where I don't have a team and I'm doing it all by myself right now, that is when things get inconsistent. And for now, since podcasting is just a hobby, that for me is okay. Eventually, if I decide to make this a business, I'll make sure to stay very consistent. (laughs) That said, I just wanted to let you guys, my listeners, know that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that I have not been able to get a podcast out on my regularly scheduled every other week like I had been doing since I started the podcast. Fade to Gray podcast, it's made up of five cast members. We call ourselves the Fade Casters. It's me and my husband, Omar, and our friends, Chris, Andy, and Seth. 
You will occasionally hear other voices on the podcast as we have friends who are fellow podcasters that we will bring in as guest hosts and guests. For the most part, our episodes that we have enjoyed making the most are the roundtable episodes where the five of us will get together and record about various topics and just all be on the same call, all be on the same episode and just discussing and talking and laughing. And to me, those are the most fun. But we also have quite a few interviews and we have some mini series that we've been doing, one being the Deconstruction Reconstruction series and the other most recent series has been the Relationship series. In the last month, I've really stepped up and taken on a few new roles in that. I've been running the social media and attempting to keep up with the website. I've not been very good at keeping up with Fade to Grace website, but we have a girl who's helping us out this month, so I'm getting a little bit of respite there. However, because I'm not doing that, I'm now editing a few of the episodes, so I have a few of those out now various ones of us of the cast are splitting off and doing mini projects. One of them in particular, I am starting a show with Chris, who is a fellow teacher in the public school system. And he and I have started the Teacher's Lounge, in which we discuss topics of education. Chris and I were talking this week about him potentially helping me out with Four in Tow podcast. So I thought it would be helpful just to kind of give you an introduction to who he is. So at the end of this episode of Four in Tow, I've included our very first episode of the Teacher's Lounge. So you can be introduced to him and you get used to his voice so that in future, it won't be a shock when he shows up. <laughs> now, Chris is a great guy. Like I say, he's a public school teacher and he is a real advocate for homeschooling. And I think from what I know of Chris, I think that he would say something along these lines that he supports all homeschool families, but knows that not everybody can homeschool. And for those kids who are unable to be homeschooled, he's going to be there for them and be the very best teacher that he can be so that everybody can have a quality education. So without further ado, here is the very first Teacher's Lounge episode as promised. You're listening to the Fade to Gray Network. Hey guys, we have a new thing, segment, part, what do we call it? Episode? I don't know. Because they're not segments anymore. Yeah. We just say we have a new show. We have a new show. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> hey guys, we have a new show called Teacher's Lounge coming at you today. We are hanging out here, hiding from all the kids, talking education with the teachers of FTG. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And if uh, what two better people to get educated by than me and you, Elizabeth, the smartest people on the podcast. <laughs> Clearly the most educated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be fun. So we've been messing around with this idea for a while and we're just going to start talking about it. Let's just do it. What are yeah. we talking about and why are we deciding that we're qualified to talk about this, Chris? Well, I think we're qualified to talk about it because we've both done education for several years now. Like uh, you have homeschooled and you even have your own homeschooling podcast for moms out there called Four in Tow. Make sure to go check it out, subscribe Woo-hoo. and like and leave a comment. Um, and I have been in education uh, as my main occupation for about 10 years now. So there you go. Yeah. So I've been teaching my kids for five years. I've been homeschooling. I also was a homeschool kid myself, which in observing how my mom That taught, explains so it much. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> and <laughs> watching her homeschool, I feel like I have a leg up on 
understanding my process of homeschooling, which is one of the reasons why I feel qualified to even have a homeschool podcast because I've listened to my mom explain things for so many years that I kind of know how to explain things (laughs) to new homeschool moms. Well, the funny thing is, is like, I feel like I know how to do public education because I spent 12 years in the system, you know? And so after having done that, I can see what worked for me and what didn't work for me and, you know, learn from my teacher's mistakes and go in and maybe try to do a better job. I mean, I'm not trying to dog on my teachers because I had some really great teachers. I had some really not great teachers as well. Um, But yeah, I think you just take what you found effective and you implement that in your own classroom, whether it be at the home or in the public sphere. One of the reasons I wanted to do this, I know Chris had his reasons, but my reasons for wanting to be able to talk education is to be able to bitch about it. Oh, yeah. I want to. <laughs> and we're fade to gray. So, oh, yeah. you know, there's ways <laughs> that we are told to educate our kids. And even for homeschoolers, depending on your state, every state's different. But for the most part, every state has rules and laws for ways to homeschool your children. There are rules and laws for public school. But can we fade to gray on any of that? To a point, yes, I think we can to a point. No, I don't think we can because the government is stupid. (laughs) Stupid, corrupt, horrible. Yeah, you'd be so surprised, or not you, but the regular person who's not involved in education would be extremely surprised at how much corruption there is uh, at the government level when it comes to education, for sure. Yeah. It's... It's a nightmare. Yeah, I know in Pennsylvania right now, the biggest thing is by law, we're supposed to put children in school by the eight, by the age of eight. And they have extended that. So now we Mm. have to have them in school from the age of six to 18. So you can't finish high school early and you have to go to school earlier. And they say this is to benefit the child. But I call bullcrap. I can't figure out how that's going to (laughs) benefit anybody but but uh, maybe working parents because they get educated, they get to put their kids in school earlier. But that's not even true because they put their kids into kindergarten at five. So I, think I can it- tell you exactly who's going to benefit from that. Tell because, me. well, who do you buy your materials from? Walmart, Amazon. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> who it's going to benefit because you're going to have to buy more materials, right? Yeah. Uh, and not only that, the people that produce those are going to make the money. So uh, Walmart, sure, they get a cut of it, but you know the the biggest majority of that's going to go to whichever textbook company created those materials. And so what they're going to do is they're going to lobby all the politicians to, you know, get kids in school younger, uh, make sure that they take certain standardized tests and whatnot. Uh, And then, of course, they're going to get their pockets filled with money from the textbook companies who are then going to produce the materials that you have to buy in order to meet whatever standards the government uh, has now put in place for you to meet. So it's a very, very corrupt system. Yeah. And Elizabeth, I would ask you how many standardized tests you had to take whenever you were a kid, but you were homeschooled. Um, I was. So I was in public school for kindergarten and first grade. And I remember taking mm-hmm. standardized tests in, in both grades. I re- mm-hmm. The reason I remember them is because everybody was so nervous. Yeah. And I remember a couple kids literally breaking down, crying, having to be taken mm. out to the hallway and comforted. They got a little bit extra time on their test because they were so upset. Um, and this was multiple and kids. And that was happening when you were a kid. When I was a kid in first grade. So we're talking, let's see, it would have been 1989. You and I are about the same age. Yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah. So I, we didn't really have standardized tests when I was a kid in Oklahoma. And I think maybe it's because Oklahoma so backwards, but mm. we did one big standardized test a year and it was the Iowa State 
achievement test mm-hmm. and we I think were that's the one we used yeah i think most Sounds schools familiar. used that and so we were given that once a year um and it took i don't know probably like three or four days to complete it and that's really it when it comes to standardized tests so yeah. nowadays kids in public schools have to take a ton i mean mm-hmm. there are several weeks blocked out of the year where they're taking standardized tests either made by the state or the government at the federal level that's just insane it is insane because you got to understand that that takes away from a teacher's time that they can actually educate the kid right and even further corrupt is that a lot of the educators pay is tied into those exam scores that's just messed up yeah what do you do with kids that don't test well right now yeah, because there are kids that don't test well and you have you know of course Back in the Bush era, you have these No Child Left Behind Act that was passed, which um, is where all these standardized tests really started uh, becoming the mainstream. And then you had Obama promise to get rid of that. When he got in, he repealed and replaced it with ESSA, which is Every Student Succeeds Act, which is essentially the exact same thing. Yeah. Um, you know, these kids are tied to these standardized tests and it's, you know, it's it's causing so much anxiety. Yeah. Uh, it's causing a lot of mental health issues with these kids because they're just over tested to death, you know, and the person who invented standardized testing, I don't remember his name, uh, but, you know, you can look it up. He actually went on to say uh, later on in his life that it's not a good measurement of what a kid knows or what a kid can do. And certainly... Yeah. If you have a kid who's not very good at testing, they're not going to really measure what they can do anyway. So, yeah, yeah, it's a corrupt system. It really is. And here in Pennsylvania, we have laws for that homeschoolers have to be tested with standardized tests in third grade, fifth grade and eighth grade. Mm. And at this point, that's all we have to do, which for me, I'm like, that's awesome. Now, in North Carolina, I know we were going to try and move there at one point. So I was looking up the laws. Homeschoolers there have to take a standardized test every year. Now, they don't have to do anything with those test scores. Mm -hmm. Here in Pennsylvania, we have to submit those test scores to our evaluators. We have certified teachers who look over our work to say whether or not has learning been accomplished in this year. That's all they have to say. So we show the scores to them. Then they write a letter to the school district saying, Mm. yes, I'm satisfied that this child has learned something this year. That's about the extent of it. But we still have to have those test scores to prove that we're following the law. <laughs> I just, you know, I wouldn't doubt if at some point in the future that homeschooling will be outlawed just because yeah. the government wants to have a hand in everything. Yeah, I I could see that. I'm really hoping that it doesn't, but it's on the rise right now. This is the weird thing. I Everywhere I look, it seems as if there are more and more homeschoolers. Like this area around here, where I live, I was one of the first generations in the 80s to 80s and 90s, rather, to be homeschooled. Most of our parents were first generation homeschool parents. Now, we are all grown up and we are having kids of our own. And while some of us are homeschooling our kids, the majority of the people in this area homeschooling are now first generation homeschoolers again. Mm -hmm. The homeschool population has just, it's grown in like exponentially grown. It's crazy. And, And because people are concerned about this, the way the kids are learning in schools or what they're learning in schools too. Right. Certain teachers, certain school districts are just not very kind to the kids. And I mean, you're a public school teacher and not every public school teacher is bad, but like some of the ones around here, like parents are like, I don't want my kid in so-and-so's class because they aren't teaching anybody anything and they're just teaching to the test right like i hear that all the time and it kind of like it's disconcerting to me 
really. Like, sure. I don't homeschool. It should be. Yeah. Like, I don't homeschool because I'm concerned about the public school system necessarily. I homeschool because I want to. Like, I'm used to it. It's something I enjoy doing. And I like the idea that I'm teaching my kids to their learning styles and not teaching to a test. Mm -hmm. And to me, I feel for me and my kids that that's the best way for them to learn. Yeah. And Omar's like, yeah, well, it's your time. If that's how you want to spend your time, go for it. So I have his support and he helps when he needs to. And we do we do the things. But just reasons my friends are pulling their kids out of public school and homeschooling. Like, I just I just shake my head. I'm like, I can't believe you're doing like, how do they even how are kids learning anything? (laughs) I'm so happy that you and Omar get to do that for your children, you know, and I'm not necessarily opposed to homeschooling. I think if parents want to homeschool their kids, they ought to have that right. Certainly. Of course, I think there has to be some sort of standard that they have to be taught. And certainly there has to be some accountability there, you know, but I think you're right. I think a lot of of public school teachers are teaching to the test for the very simple reason that their test scores are tied to their pay and people are concerned about how they're going to make money. Yeah, you do have some teachers that that's all they're worried about. You know, I don't think that maybe those teachers got into education, you know, at the beginning thinking, oh, this is going to be a good opportunity to make a good paycheck. But I think over time, maybe they got burnt out. Maybe they said, you know what, like I tried to do things their way and it didn't really work. Now I'm going to just teach to the test and make my my paycheck and then leave. And unfortunately, I'd like to say that that's not common, but I've spent a lot of time in other teachers' classrooms and you would be shocked at how many teachers give students a, a handout, a packet, and don't even teach them. And that's all they do. They haven't hand them a packet and then get on their computers and shop on Amazon. You know, it's wow. like, it, it's rampant. It's rampant. And then, of course, you have positions within schools that are completely unnecessary, um, like uh, teacher coaches, which the majority of teacher coaches that I've you know seen in the schools that I've worked in are completely worthless. It, it's you know a, a paycheck that they get paid like sixty five thousand dollars a year to. Can you explain what a teacher coach is? They're supposed to uh, basically go work directly with the teachers to help them design uh, engaging lessons for students. Um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's basically what it is like a coach for, for teachers. But what ends up happening is, is that those coaches are usually, uh, ex teachers themselves that, you know, are, uh, certified in a specific area, let's just say math. And so they literally only spend their time working with math teachers and the rest of the time, you know, it is just a waste with the other teachers because they don't know anything about their content. It's just waste because it's a it's a waste of sixty five thousand dollars that could be spent other in other places, you know, for for the students. And so you have a lot of things like that in public education that are really nerve wracking to me because I just see so much potential. We have so much money. We're given so much money by the government to, to spend. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that say that I need a projector bulb, I can go on Amazon and get a projector bulb for 50 bucks and it'll be there in the next day. Mm-hmm. But the public school will have a contract with a certain company who then will mark up that projector bulb to 350 bucks and you may have to wait six months to get it good grief and so that's another area there's a big problem in education a big problem regardless of whether we're talking about public um or homeschool education Mm -hmm. you know there's so much that people just don't know yeah for sure so guys that's why the teacher's lounge is here 
There is a lot to gripe about with this education system as it is now, both for homeschoolers, public schoolers, private school. But Chris, is there like a silver lining? Is there hope? Is there hope for our kids' future for the educating of our children? Yeah. So the cool thing is, is that these kids are some of the brightest students I've ever encountered in my life. You got to understand, like, Elizabeth, when you and I were kids, like, if we wanted to know about something, we had to go find it in the encyclopedia and it may or may not be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. These kids have more information accessible to them at any time they want it than at any other time in history. Think about the geniuses that we learn about in school, Albert Einstein or, mm-hmm. you know, Abraham Lincoln, like just really smart people, really intelligent people. These students are smarter than them. They're more intelligent than those people were. Why? Because they have more information than they do, right? So it's incredible. It's incredible that they have so much information and that they have access to it at any time for free. It's so cool. It's amazing. Yeah. It is amazing. And these kids are so awesome. Like they're they're bright, they're intelligent, they're funny, and they've grown up with more skills than you or I have because they've constantly had technology at their fingertips Mm -hmm. their entire life. You and I, we have to, you know, ask kids, hey, how do we do this on a device or whatever? You know Well you do, but you know Right, right, right. (laughs) I I would say a lot of people my age do, but Yes, your age. <laughs> These kids know, right? Oh, you and I are about the same age. Come on. <laughs> we are. We are. We are. I'm just picking on you. <laughs> but yeah, they're bright. You know, they're they're extremely intelligent and and they're good people, you know. I'm I'm really yeah. excited to see what they're going going to be able to do with whatever education they get. You know, hopefully they get a good one. Yeah, I do too. I really do too. Well, everybody, thanks so much for joining me and Chris in the teachers lounge today. And we look forward to talking more about education in future episodes and hope you enjoyed listening to us as we shoot the shit. <laughs> thanks a lot, guys. And that's it for this episode of Four and Toe Podcast. Four and Toe was made possible by listeners like you. Join the journey and help make this podcast possible by joining patreon.com backslash four and toe podcast. I hope you all have a wonderful end of the year. And don't forget, mama, you've got this.